Hello, this is the Reluctant Marketer podcast. We explore marketing for people who don't want to do it, but feel they must. I'm Matthias Bohlen. Hi, Anna. I'm so excited to have you here. Good morning today. Uh, hello, Matthias. Excited to be here as well. Thank you for having me. Today here with me, dear audience, is Anna Bibikoffer. She's head of marketing at iMondo, a pricing SaaS for e-commerce retailers and brands. Anna has more than 18 years of experience, of marketing experience under her belt. She's very much into SaaS marketing, B2B SaaS marketing, like things like lead generation content, events, paid acquisition, social, you name it. And Anna still has time for something special. Anna is on a mission to help founders with very limited resources to launch more successful and useful products that help real people solve real problems. So yeah, quite exciting. She's doing all kinds of other things. So um, let's dive in. Welcome Anna to the Reluctant Marketer podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Um, Anna, first of all, how on earth do you find time for all this? Uh, you're head of marketing, you're helping founders, and you have a family raising children at the same time. How does that all work? <laughs> oh my, that's a tough question. It actually does not. There is no magic pill. <laughs> you know, it doesn't work. You can't fit everything in there. So the stories that I've been on my own, like doing private mentorship, um, just sessions, or uh, I, I'm still with the Founder Institute as a part of their mentorship program. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I have uh, several uh, annual commitments as far as it goes with the big, you know, classroom lectures. Uh, and, and several one-on-one um, -on -one mentorship sessions with the founders who enter the Founder Institute program. Uh, otherwise, I had to put my, you know, private, in, private marketing consultancy business on hold for a while as I joined the team uh, of B2B in December. Uh -huh. uh, after having almost four years of this gap, doing my, my own projects, building my own consultancy business. And one of the reasons why I joined it is um, like in the first place, I, I used to be a head of marketing uh, and I used to be like basically an entrepreneur. Uh, I used mm -hmm. to build a, an innovative retail company with e-commerce for almost seven years and I quit because of the burnout that I had. Again, I spent oh, too much boy. time working. I had, yeah. uh, and I, I was actually focused on the wrong things, you know, as an introvert, I, I did not realize where my strong sides were. And, and basically because I enjoy doing marketing so much, I enjoy doing, you know, playing behind the scenes. Uh -huh. uh, but as a head of business, I could not afford doing it all the time. And I ended up actually submerging myself into things that I hated doing, like hiring people, <laughs> managing oh, people, okay. interacting <laughs> with people all the time. So no surprises there. As an introvert, I got to a stage where I just hated every single moment I spent building this business and growing oh, this business. And I, I just sold everything that I could and quit. 
So after that, I I was hoping I would never work again. I just spent all the time with my family, growing my kids. But obviously, that's all that happened. A friend of mine who uh, was here in Cyprus leading the local accelerator program for the startup founders. It happened like uh, five, somewhat five years ago. So he reached out to me asking if I would like to lecture to some of the founders and share my experience on marketing because that's oh, the most what a nice the, idea. The, the, the most painful point that startup founders usually have. They yeah. know more or less well how to build a product, but they don't know how to promote it, how to bring it in front of the customer's eyes. So uh, he invited me as just a lecturer, as, as an educator, to talk to the founders, to tell them about the, like my, my own experience in building business. And I was very surprised because I said, you know, I've never been in the startup field before. I don't know how to talk to them. And he was like, come on, you've been doing startup things, innovative things all your life. Yeah, you exactly. Didn't, yeah. Let's call it startup because the, the retail concept that I introduced to the market, it was very innovative back then. And I've never seen anyone actually doing anything like that, like this still, because it was a mixture of, you know, the cooking class space, the meetup space and, 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 mm -hmm. and the commercial space. So people could come in there they they could they could uh, run the space and they could use it to arrange cooking classes to to learn how to cook and they could use the ingredients that were sold by the stores and they could actually um, just come there every single day and, and because we had the cooking classes on ongoing basis like every weekend we had something going on and people could come over there and visit us and taste the food and learn how to do it and again pictures that the ingredients at the same time and also we arranged like online uh, tickets so that like people could buy uh, like this cooking class as a gift people could, uh, could buy cooking classes wow. experience so there were, was there were a lot a lot of online activities around this as well um so yes that sounds like a pretty I, integrated never, concept I, I, right yeah i've never seen anything like that before and i've never seen anyone doing like this even now yeah. even after covid i want people like used to 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 go online for all kind of experiences so it was very innovative back then and this 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 friend of mine he said you can share your experience your background how you did did you come up with this idea in the first place how you introduced it what challenges did you have uh while, while yeah, exactly you business. had the experience yeah so yeah that's what i started doing i started talking to the founders and, and very fast i realized that they were not so much about like how to come up with the idea they already had the ideas they struggled mostly with maybe vetting the ideas validating them right which one uh -huh. is visible which one is not and if the, the visible one what is the best target audience for me how do i find these people what what audience is supposed to be more uh, promising who are the best paying customers who are the good paying customers but they're not early adopters so there is always a balance between choosing yeah, uh, yeah. your go-to-market strategy, what niche should you go with? Should you even build a niche business? And if you build a not so niche business, like for example, uh, one of my favorite example, 
Peter Schom, uh, he built this re reform uh, yeah. service application uh, that it, it's 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 like the form builder, like Google Forms, but prettier, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's for everyone. It's not like you have very specific audience you can introduce your product to. It can be used by small businesses, by marketers, by entrepreneurs, by founders, yeah, by it's a engineers, very horizontal by, thing. by exactly. any, anyone, right? So it, it's yeah. like Google. It's it's for all kind of people or I don't know. There are like Notion, for example. There are many other project products yeah. that can be used by anyone. But the, the stories you still have to choose whom to start with because as a founder you have a very limited budget and right. very limited Expectory, uh, like uh, uh, time very limited resources in terms of addressing audiences so you most often you have just one or maybe two shots to shoot and mm, you have to be mm. very precise whom to start with because if you choose the wrong audience for you go to market strategy you can get demotivated and discouraged very fast if you don't have positive response. Yeah. And if you invested a lot of money and time and resources into reaching out to this audience and you're not getting anything back, so you, you basically burn all your cash very fast and, and you don't have anything to go with further. So that's the pain points of the, of the early stage founders that I realized very fast. So again, then it was more about as soon as you get to know your audience or is, as soon as you chose someone, how do you reach out to them? How do you go to them? Where do you find these people? And yeah, that's what I started mentoring about. That's yeah. what I started educating people on uh, as like a private consultant and as a part of the Founder Institute mentorship program. Uh, but again, after maybe four years of doing this uh, and mostly my, my, my deal flow was coming from Twitter, from LinkedIn and the Founder Institute program because I was yeah. very active on social media telling people what I could help them with, my my insights, my understanding of how it should, it should be done and probably it resonated with many people as well. Uh, but eventually, again, I got to the point when I started feeling that it does not fulfill me as a person uh, on a certain level because it's a good thing to help someone with a, a piece of mm -hmm. advice. Mm -hmm. But in most cases, because I used to deal with the very early stage founders, I never could like follow up or I, I never had this luxury of seeing my ideas and my tips being implemented. <laughs> because as you know, the early stage founders they they kind of swimmers that have to cross the, the Indian Ocean. They, oh, they have yeah. so many <laughs> things to do. There's so many things. They have to juggle all the plates and they have so many things on their plates that most often they just have chosen some direct direction to go. And even if they hire me as a consultant or as a mentor, I tell them this is what how it should be done. This is what you have to do. This is what you have to change. They realize that I'm telling them all the right things and they resonate with them, but they already so deep in some workflow, in some, you know, in, in some 
in, in some flow yeah, stage. Yeah, the things they have to do, <laughs> yeah. Just changing this demands a lot of effort. And they realize that, for example, building this like marketing machine, building the structure, running all the customer interviews, doing this, this and that, they just don't have time for that. They merely manage to debug the product. They don't have oh, time for, okay. <laughs> for all the marketing. This was, they don't this was have the... time. This was one of my, my questions that I had. Why do we struggle so much with marketing when we are solopreneurs, or especially introverted ones? Why doesn't marketing come natural to us? Why do, why do we struggle? It's myself and it's, I've seen other people struggle with that, especially introverted people. What do you think? How, how, why is, is marketing so, so kind of off to us? I don't believe that it has to do with the marketing or actually building a product that it's not about that. And I, I don't believe it has to do something with introversion because, okay. uh, you know, for example, many people believe that a, sale, a good salesperson can be an introvert because yeah. to, to be good at sales, you have to be convincing, chatty, you have to be a little bit pushy and pitchy and you have to, to be very persistent and not to be discouraged by people, you know, sending you away. You have to, to stay motivated doing door-to-door -door sales yeah. or stuff like that. So you just can't be an introvert in, uh, and be successful in sales. And that's completely not true. Uh, because, yeah, the, the part of the process is to stay put and stay motivated while being rejected all the time. But to be honest, you know, none of us likes being rejected. Introverts yeah, or extroverts, we don't enjoy when people tell us, go away. <laughs> we hate you. <laughs> you are so annoying. Yeah. Uh, nobody enjoys that. It's not about introversion and extroversion. The main difference that introverted people and there were actually many scientific studies on that, that we are, we get overwhelmed by interacting. It's not we, that we're antisocial, right? It's not that yeah, we hate yeah. people around us. We actually enjoy meaningful conversations, but one-on-one. -on -one. We can right. be very happy just calling a friend and, and, and discussing some, something over a cup of coffee or a glass of beer or something like that. But if it's one-on-one, -on -one, so that's the, the, the conditions while we feel comfortable during the interaction, yeah. social interaction, the conversation should be one-on-one. -on -one. It should be meaningful. We should, it shouldn't be like empty small talk. It should be about some, yeah, some right. topic that we really enjoy talking about that we actually had put some thought into and when we we're talking to a person that we we believe is interesting to us so if all these conditions three conditions meet we're amazing at social interaction we can last for a very long time much longer than oh, an average yeah. extrovert what we really don't enjoy is like covering the room when we, we, we put ourselves yeah. into yeah. like unknown circumstances, unknown group of people, and we have to interact like with all of them, like group meetings, uh, conferences, uh, all, you know, parties interaction is, yeah. is parties. It's all horrible. It's all very bad yeah. and we really suck at it. <laughs> and one of the reasons why is that 
not because we are antisocial, because we're extra social. We have this, you know, like um, signal, like signal receiver machine in our brain that gives yeah. all the social cues that much better than average extrovert would pick. And oh, it's kind of like a microphone, right? In yeah, the podcast it's like, here, it's, and, it's and more the, sensitive. The yeah, it's more We are more sensitive to social cues. Yeah. And that's why we get overwhelmed much faster. It's kind of, you know, system overload. We get too much information, <laughs> yeah. too much of that. And we get totally wiped out in, after very short interaction with many people. We Because we feel kind of responsible for picking all these cues and, and building our communication in a very personalized way with all the people. And it's just physically impossible. Yeah, it's that's one not of the possible. Reasons and the second reason is that introverts in general are more like, um, again, more uncomfortable with unknown circumstances. If we find ourselves face-to-face uh, -face within a known group of people, we feel more uncomfortable as average extrovert, for example, because we don't mm -hmm. know what to expect. We don't know if these people are going to be interesting to us. Uh, we don't know, and we are not kind of in control. We feel that's why we feel more comfortable that's on social a... media because we we it, it gives this sense of control. If you don't like these people, you just stop interacting with them. If you feel overwhelmed, you don't interact with them. And in real life, we are not in control, so we kind of uh, we feel overloaded and we feel this lack of control and it's actually a dreading experience and that's why we feel so uncomfortable and so tired after all group ah, This explains a lot to me because I always feel uh, totally not in control of marketing because marketing to me exactly. it feels like uh, changing the behavior of people, right? So, I want people to buy exactly. my stuff that, and I can't that's, control that's that. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And that is one of the reasons, like getting back to my this uh, reasoning that introverts can be great in sales, is that the reason why we get overwhelmed, not because we're antisocial, but all the way around, because we're extra social, we, we, we pick the cues much better than, yeah. than average extrovert. So we're actually much better in listening to people, listening right. to their pain points, listening to what they're saying and we're better in channeling these requirements these pains into the right narrative how to wrap our product in the right way and present it to people so that they instantly see that our product actually solves their problem with general extrovert it's totally different they have like you know the 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 guidelines how to sell their product and they just go yeah. ahead with it they go and they chat and they sell because they don't listen to any feedback they don't listen to what people are actually saying to them they can last longer because they just can endure more interactions but it's it doesn't mean that they're better at sales uh. than average introvert would be we kind of have totally different approach. It's quality versus qual quantity, right? The quantity, extroverts exactly. would, would just cover many people and they would introduce the same speech to everyone. And eventually they will stumble upon someone this speech actually resonates with. That's how they close the deal. 
With us, uh, it's totally okay. different. We try to be very, very personalized, very targeted, very customized. We try to find people who really need our product, and that, and, and, and as soon as we find them, we kind of wrap our messaging, our product positioning into something that would be very relevant to these people, and we bring our product to this audience specifically. And that's actually the trends that modern marketing goes into. Modern marketing is much less about, you know, this mass market messaging, this yeah. being very yeah. shouty and pitchy and just sending the same message to everyone. Modern marketing is much more about crafting personalized messages. That's why I think that modern marketing actually belongs to introverted entrepreneurs. Oh, and that's, that's good news. That, that's, that's terrific news. That's why <laughs> we can be actually very successful, specifically in the more modern marketing uh, world and, and the way we understand marketing now. Uh, in terms of, again, answering to your question, why marketing, it feels like marketing doesn't come naturally to introverted technical founders. Yeah, uh, yeah you already actually raised this. It's one of the reasons that marketing is more or less much more unpredictable than uh, like building technical response from the system. One, mm -hmm. we we know how to code. We always know that we put this line of code into the system. We will probably like get this response. And if we are not getting it, it means that we wrote the wrong code, that there is a yeah. mistake somewhere in there. So yeah. we always know the feedback that we want to get, the system feedback, and we just tweak the code until we get this feedback. With marketing, it's a little bit different. We know that that's the feedback that we want. We want sales, we want customers, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but there are so many points where something can go wrong, right? It's not just right. uh, two sides like interaction with you and the, in the, and the, I don't know, text editor or some other kind of things that you use yeah, to right. put your code in. There are so many po touch points where you can put the road code in. It can be, you know, the wrong messaging, the wrong audience, it can be the wrong visuals, it can be the, the wrong uh, ad targeting campaign, it can be the wrong location, it can be the wrong platform. So, yeah. so many things can go wrong. So we kind of get lost, again, trying to, to juggle all these cues and put it into the system. That's why market with technical founders struggle with marketing because there are so many touch points where we can make a mistake. So uh, if we try to split it into simple tasks and simple little experiments, like, okay, for these two weeks, and, and don't expect very fast results, that it stops being so overwhelming. Again, it's like the same story as an advice for introverted people. Try to break your, to, to move your interaction from the covering the room into one-on-one -on -one conversation. If you stop thinking, like, for example, if you go to a party, if you stop seeing this, into putting this into perspective, like, oh my gosh, I have to talk to so many people. It's so tiresome. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. If you start thinking, I will find one friend I want to talk to, and I will spend all evening talking to this friend. It stops being overwhelming all of a sudden. And if you yeah. do right, just that, you go to a party, you find one person you actually like, or you wanted to, to be introduced to, 
or you actually know from from another party it it suddenly turns from a horrific experience into enjoyable experience and you spend all these three four hours in a party talking to a person you really like and eventually is, you find is that possible in marketing as well yeah can i do something similar possible. in marketing it is very possible in marketing you just stop thinking of I, i have to cover all the grounds i have to find the right audience the right message the right everything channels uh, and everything yeah yeah you find you do one experiment at a time for example okay today for this month i want to to build my cold emailing system and i will first of all start with finding the right audience so i have mm -hmm. a hypothesis that my products will be most relevant to xyz these people mm -hmm. and so i will find these people online And I will send the same pitch to, to them all, right? I will send the same mm -hmm. call, same, same email with the same subject line to all these three groups. And I will see how it resonates with them. So eventually you find the one that it resonates the, the most. Then you start tweaking the subject line. Like for the next couple of weeks, you start playing around with the subject line. Like, okay, if I tell these people that my product can boost their productivity, will it resonate better than if I tell these people that this product can 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 improve their revenue or this product will save their time or this product will leave them more mm -hmm. time to spend with their family? What kind of what kind of ooh, what kind of button should I push with this specific audience? Because I have to figure out what 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 resonates better with them. Then after I find the, the better uh, the better subject line, I can start playing around with my copy. So take one step at a time, take split the big touch, big mm -hmm. marketing work mm -hmm. into very, very small chunks and always experiment, always run experiment, trying to build, you know, in this one on one interaction with your audience, then then it works much better. And you get ah, data. So it, it would also help you get, if I you think you get data. Uh, you get predictable results because, as a, as a technical person, we're all, all data driven. As soon as we start yeah. getting data, seeing you know absolutely different percentage on the open rate, we instantly figure out that okay, here we're moving in the right direction. We get encouraged. We get motivated. And here we just we just put this on hold. We don't move in that direction. Uh, it, mm -hmm. it, it gets so much easier when you start running real experiments and it's much easier with the small budgets again. Mm. Interesting. So uh, you, you mentioned in, in your previous answer, you mentioned this kind of modern marketing today that's different from previous years. Um, this sounds very much like achieving those one-on-one -on -one conversations you, you mentioned uh, lately. Um, does it have anything to do with um, yeah sending the same message to everyone versus talking to one person specifically? Is is this a kind of modern marketing, or what did you mean when you said marketing is changing towards something more modern? Yeah, that's uh, exactly what I meant. That marketing, uh, our approach to marketing is changing from this mass market approach, just covering uh, lots of. Uh, lots of field at the same time with the same message with the same product to being more personalized uh more 
um, actually talking to a customer on a more personal level. All the marketing communications, if you if you look even at the big companies like Coca-Cola or Procter & Gamble and everything, they still try their best to, to create, to build products for different niches, for different audiences. Yeah. So they, they, they personalize their marketing on the product level. And they also personalize their marketing on the communication level, trying to send all different messages to all different audiences. And they also build their marketing communication in a more informal, like human-like way, right? They, they yeah. try to put a face behind the brand they tried some person to be the, 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 the this voice behind the brand to speak with the audience. They don't say, you know, like our sneakers are the best because they're the best, they're more comfortable, they have better layers or stuff like that. They have this brand attached to a certain person who says, I'm better like basketball player. I'm I become better professional like because I'm using these sneakers. So they they try to connect the message to the personal achievements, to the person, to the understanding how their audience, their customers would feel about themselves, not about the product. Like because people don't want better sneakers, they want to feel better in them. They they don't want ah. them to to look pretty. They want other people to see. Oh, you 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 have new sneakers. They look amazing. Or they want to look at, at these sneakers in the mirror or, or just put their eyes down and think to themselves, oh, I, I, I'm just, I look amazing today. So it's <laughs> not about the sneakers. It's about feeling how you feel about it. And that's why all marketing communications are become more human, human related and more personalized. That's one of the reasons. And the second reason, I actually covered it a lot, talked about it a lot with my on my podcast episode with Arvid. Like I think in, it was aired in January. Uh, yeah. it, it has so much to do with the modern econ structure, how how society is structured, and how modern economy is structured. Uh, first of all, because like fifty years ago, the economy belonged to the big corporations, right? So That's there were right. big companies yeah. who could spend like thousands and millions and billions on marketing, on advertising. Today's economy is much more fragmented and it belongs to, to small players. It's a creator's economy. And creators, they don't have these budgets to address to the mass market. So the only way creators can structure their business is to address to, to targeted niche audience, to very, yeah. very small groups of people. And that's why basically how marketing had to restructure itself to address to people who are the main players in today's economy. We can't teach, you know, small players the same tricks that big dogs can use. We can't tell yeah, these exactly. small yeah. creators like do the same things that Mars used to do 50 years ago. Just spend another five billion mm. on your marketing campaign <laughs> and you'll be on top of the hill. That's not how and it's go done. Go to right? TV or something. Yeah. Exactly. So marketing has to reinvent itself to offer the success, you know, strategies, the the winning tactics to the small players, because that's for the main players in the today's economy. That's one thing. And the second thing is actually the, the society has restructured itself uh, considerably compared to how it was like 
again, 100 years ago and 50 years ago, like when we started seeing these big corporations and this mass marketing uh, going up, when basically beginning of 20th century, middle of the 20th century, when big cities started to evolve and people started just moving from, from the suburbs in the big cities, cutting yeah. their traditional links, traditional relationships with the family, how the rural society was structured. You lived in the village and you know pretty much everyone there. You knew, uh, like, if you have this problem, you have to go to Mr. X and you have that problem, you have to go to Mr. Right. Y. Or if you have that problem, you have to go to Mrs. Z. So uh, when you move to a big city, you, you severe all the links you had with your family, with the traditional society. You kind of a part of this faceless machine. You're part of this just a big crowd of people oh. who are more or less the same. They all work for the same plan. They all work for the same factory. And they have no connection, no horizontal connections between each other. They all have just this hierarchy was built uh, top to bottom from the big boss on the plants to all yeah. the small employees who are working uh, on this for the same factory. And that's why this faceless mass marketing worked because these people were connectionless. They didn't have their background. They, they didn't have, you know, this, this value structured around their family, their, their friends, the, the horizontal link. They, they only knew that they, they live in a big city. They belong to generation XYZ or boomers or something. Yeah. And, and they, they, they belong to a certain age group. They belong to a certain like income level. And that's what we needed as marketers to address to these people. It doesn't work that way anymore because all people now belong to a certain community. We belong ah. to a certain community online. We belong to a certain community in our neighborhoods. So we have our value system, our chosen preferences structured around these small communities. And for marketers, it's not enough anymore to have this very wide, you know, demographic structure. So we will yeah. address to people who live in a city of Los Angeles who are from 18 to 25 years old and who have this sort of yeah, income. This old persona thing, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, a household. It doesn't work that way because yes. people who live in this city have this sort of income. They have, can have totally different life values totally different right. lifestyles they would follow totally different influences on social media and so you have to create absolutely different marketing messages to these people to address to these people yeah because the society is not has restructured these horizontal horizontal links we used to have like 300 years ago while living in the villages that were completely severed one like during the industrial revolution right the society due to the new tech that has been introduced social media zoom google meets yeah stuff exactly. like that when yeah. people managed to recreate all these links that we used to have this horizontal link and, and rebuild itself into small communities again like into small villages and ah, though we all live in the big cities 
Some of us might work for a big factory. We still belong to a dot small, you know, online villages. We belong right. to online communities. And that's why marketing is the second reason why marketing had to restructure itself to create very personalized messages because these white demographic filters, they don't work anymore. That's so interesting because it creates a big chance for us uh, solopreneurs, I think, because we can focus on, on kind of community we like or kind of community we really understand and can give value to. We are not uh, doing marketing like pounding the rum, tooting the horn, as I always say. It, it felt that, that's what marketing felt to me when I, that's as a technical exactly. founder, started with it. And I thought, this is not for me. <laughs> What the heck? And um, that's exactly why the, chance, the, you see this rise of this creator's economy, right? So because the conditions are right, the tech is there, and people are ready for to to to, to deal with these small small creators. To yeah. uh, like like we used to deal with that. 500 years ago, right? We we would go to to order our shoes. We wouldn't go to a big supermarket to buy our footwear. No, we no, would go to wasn't. someone we know, to someone we trust, and to someone who's got very good recommendations from our neighbors. We would not go to buy our food from, you know, um, like, like McDonald's or, or Subway <laughs> yeah. or somewhere, we would right. go to someone, again, who's got reputation and not just any reputation, but reputation from people that we believe they know what they're saying, right? Reputation from our inner circle and reputation in our right. community. I don't, as, for example, as a creator, I don't care what, you know, a marketer from KFC would say. It's totally irrelevant to me. Right. As for example, a marketer for a small startup, I don't care what like a marketer, a marketing director in Procter and Gamble is think is thinking about marketing. What's relevant to me? What other startup marketers are saying? What kind of tools they would recommend me to use? So hmm. that's again all the all the very small community business all alone again, and that's why. Uh, small players, small, 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 small startup founders have so many much more chances for success as they used to have like 30 years ago. That's good news. That's totally good news. Yeah, some yeah, stuff is, is falling it off is, my it heart. It is good news. It <laughs> is news on one hand. So because the uh, the entrance barriers are so low and the, like the customers are ready to deal with small players uh instead of you know faceless big corporations it's the good news but the bad news is that like it's still it's still the world of business so the rules are still there the more players entering the market the higher the cost of customer acquisition would go so right. <laughs> if you have low barriers if you have a ready demand so obviously you're not the only one who's got this genius idea to start your own business. Exactly. <laughs> there probably will be other entrepreneurs entering the market flowing in and you have to compete with all of them. And that's why you have to become really personal with your interaction with the customers. You have to be become very creative. You have to become, uh, you either have to spend more just by your way in the market 
that's not the the, the best news mm. or yeah. you have to be more personalized in your communication and, and that's a good mm. news um, I remember when Corey Haynes, um, the, um, a well-known marketer, when he said marketing is earning trust at scale. So earning trust of a lot of people. Um, can you put this into perspective with the, with the more personalized communication? How can I do this as, at scale? Because the conversion rate is so low, let's take 5% is already good for a SaaS. Um, so to get 100 people, I need 20 times 100, so I need 2,000 people uh, who are at least interested in my SaaS so that 100 people convert. Um, what do you think uh, earning trust at scale? Does that work? How can that work for a solopreneur? I, th I think what, what uh, Corey actually meant is, again, being, um, being very specific with your targeted audience and not trying your best to be loved by anyone. Uh, yeah. uh, by everyone, but beloved by very specific group of people. So it's it, it, it's it's not only about just marketing; it's about product as well, right? So just beginning with building the product, uh, you should address the needs of very specific audience. You should be mm -hmm. in in touch with these people constantly, talking to them and and understanding their jobs to be done, understanding their requirements mm -hmm. to build a product that would reflect these specific people needs. Uh, for example, uh, let me give you an example. Like um, when I joined the, from my personal experience, when I joined the team. Uh, this uh, the B2B SaaS team in December. Uh, I was I started to look for the cold email outreach tool. I needed some tech to to be used to uh, to get better data to to structure my cold emailing campaigns, and I had this close Twitter friend. Like how how close can you be with someone online, right? It's not yeah. like <laughs> like right. your best friend, but it's someone who you know on Twitter, you interact with, you had a couple of conversations like via Zoom, and uh, you kind of support their product launch, they support your product launch. So yeah, it's kind of right. more, more more personal interaction than with the rest of, of uh Twitter audience. And I know that the team were building a cold email outreach product and obviously they were my first choice hmm. and i i didn't look for the market leaders like i knew the market leaders like glam list for example right i i know that that's a very decent product it's it would be always on my consideration set just because of the market leader like for example yeah. if you go uh for i don't know buying diapers procter and gamble would be always on <laughs> yeah, your consideration exactly. set because they, they you know that you always find them in any supermarket yeah but if you know someone personally from twitter from the interaction there this very little startup they they were not even customer ready this very little product would sneak their way into your consideration set anyway because they gained your trust as a founder i knew nothing uh. about their product i haven't used them uh, but i knew the founder i had the respect to them because their ideas, how they build it, their, their, their marketing, their communication, their strategy, how they interacted with the beta users. 
it resonated very well with what I believe is the right thing to structure your 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 your, your product, your marketing, your communication. So that's why they gained trust with me, and that's how they got a customer. I'm pretty sure they because they were building all their communication in public on Twitter. They shared their ideas on Twitter. They they were very open with everything they did on Twitter. Yeah, like the right. first product, actually, we we hooked up when they built a product that failed. They were building some, I don't know, customer support chat or knowledge-based chat or something like that. And they reached out to me to support their product, their product can't launch. I started interacting with them. And eventually uh, the, the product plant can't uh, launch didn't go very well. And then eventually the whole product failed because they didn't manage to get any traction on that. Mm -hmm. But because mm -hmm. we were already hooked up, we interacted a lot further and further. And I saw how they were building this product in public. I saw how they were getting customers feedback with every single stage of this new product was called the mail and outreach product. And so because of that, I was the part of their trusted network. Yeah. All that, you know, 500, 700 people that were not just following their journey, but they interacted with in a more personal way. So I'm pretty sure that if other people in that 700 people network at some day would get this need to get called emailing outreach tool. Arno's tool, Arno's that that's his the founder name, Arno. Yeah. Arno's Arno's product would sneak their way into this people consideration set just because they trust the founder. So building in public for this specific audience, having this uh, trust with your audience and having this conversations with your audience is one way of build, building trust at scale. It means, again, addressing maybe these 700 people or 5,000 people who follow you at this stage, they don't need the cold email in outreach tool or they don't need this tool in general. But yeah. as soon as they get this demand, as soon as they be in a market for picture thing, you will be in their consideration set along with the very big players who invested millions in their marketing strategy. That's a super interesting point. But this also means uh, that I might have to wait, right? I might have to wait until uh, I'm, yeah, I'm trusted by enough people uh, just by no, being that, there, by the, being me, by, yeah. Exactly. So it's, <laughs> but it's just one part of the marketing strategy, right? It's uh, in general, when you're a small stage founders, founder, it's about planting as many seeds as you can, right? It's yeah. about... Yeah. Here, being on Twitter, putting out content, establishing trust with people, it's more maybe addressing the future demand, nurturing your, the, these people who would look for a tool, something that you are building in future, maybe not today, maybe in two weeks, maybe in a month, maybe in a year. So it's about establishing trust with these people, or maybe these people would recommend you to someone else. Maybe they will yeah, never right. be in the market for the tool, but as soon as they get, that's what I get now all the time because I'm building so many, no marketing has been done in this company for five years. It's It was more sales driven for five years and they yeah. got to an amazing point like, 
almost uh, almost two million annual revenue without any marketing. Wow. Okay. Uh, so now I'm here trying to build the marketing machine to improve on these results. So yeah, sales team is still there, but I'm trying to leverage all other opportunities that are already there. And um, I'm trying to, to build lots of things. So obviously there are a lot of automations. I'm using lots of tech that hasn't been used here. And uh, again, because I wasn't building something actively with my own hands, right? For, for some time, for maybe four or five years while I was mentoring, I was offering the advice how things should be done, but I wasn't looking deeper what kind of tools should be used to do these things, what kind of right. tools are better. And uh, it's one of the reasons. Another reason that I, I used to work mostly with the US-based founders and most, like 99% of tech tools, they are aimed at the US-based audience. Right. Uh, like audience intelligence, lead generation, cold emailing, you pick it, it's all for the US market. When you start uh, catering to the European-based customers like I am now, it's a totally different story because, for example, German customers, they are not even on social media. You can't find anything about your prospects for located Amazing. in Germany because they are not even on social media. And so on and so forth. So I'm trying to build lots of things that I have no like personal experience with, or like my knowledge is a little bit outdated because I didn't do anything like manually for four years. And because I haven't catered to the European audience before. And uh, yeah, that, that's why I constantly stumble on these blogs. Okay, I use this tool for the US and it worked amazingly well it just doesn't work for europe because yeah. it just does not <laughs> it's not supposed to be used here um so yes uh oh, oh where was yeah and I, I i put this you know request on twitter every day like i have this problem if you have if you if you encountered this problem if you had this challenge before what tools did you use and people start sending me recommendations and you know, 99% of these recommendations are not about tools that they personally use. It's about some founders that they know, that they follow on Twitter, that they oh, will follow on LinkedIn. And they, they say, yeah, you know, honestly, I haven't used this tool before, but this, this guy, he's building what you're looking for. And they've got amazing like reputation. They've got amazing reputation. Uh -huh. That's what people uh -huh. keep on telling me they always recommend me someone with a reputation. And that's exactly how you plant these seeds and how you start getting the crops. Like maybe people who are you talking to right now, they might not even be in the market in the nearest future or mm -hmm. might never be in the market. But if they trust you, if you manage to build your reputation with them, they would recommend you to someone who is in, in the market. So yeah, that's how it works. Interesting. Um, maybe we're running out of time, but one question is is important to me. You mentioned this um, build, uh, development and marketing loop. Um, I also experience this rhythm. I have to build something in order to have something to sell, but I'm always uh, having to do marketing as well in order that people listen to it, so see it. Um, how do you see this loop? How uh, What do you think? You mentioned on your homepage uh, of the marketing 
toolkit that you have um, that founders have to change this loop what, what do you think is the big change that should be made uh you know i actually have a free uh email course like the, uh -huh. that's a mail, email sequence on exactly this subject how to find ah. customers before you build so uh if your listeners are interested in this kind of things they can join the course it's completely free uh just uh, the the links are in my um twitter account or uh, linkedin or on my website whatever that you can yeah i'll also put them in the course every, notes. everywhere right. so the what my perspective on this is I actually got it while I, I never gave it a second thought, to be honest. I always assumed, you know, product is product, marketing is marketing. They have different jobs and okay, they should interact with a part of the team, but they, they shouldn't be a part of the same, of the same loop, of the same cycle. Yeah. Uh, the stories that I, when I started mentoring founders, when I first joined the Founder Institute program, um, I guess three years ago, and I started mentoring founders and I realized very soon I started getting my own like, you know, failure rate stats, like what founders fail, what founders actually get somewhere. Because, you know, you, you follow up with the people anyway, you, you mentor them, you, 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 you yeah, share right. with them advice, they, they leave the program and then the, the, you kind of get connected on LinkedIn or Twitter and, and you then just randomly do checks. How are they doing? Is startup still around there or is it just um, uh, should was sent to the startup cemetery in the graveyard? <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and what I realized very soon that founders who had um, technical backgrounds, they have very high failure rate. Yeah, that's the sad truth. Founders who, uh. who, who are completely technical, they have very high failure rate. But what was surprising that founders that have marketing background also have very high failure rate. So oh. they knew how to address the audience. They, they knew all the basics, you know, how to run Google ads, how to build their social media presence, stuff like that. But they also had very high failure rate. What actually had who actually had the lowest failure rate were founders with product background, founders who were you know product managers, those uh. who used to build products based on their constant customer feedback loop, like those who used to start with conversation with the with the customers, right? Those right. who used to to build product on top after listening to what people are saying, after having customer interviews, after, you know, getting used to launching beta versions, getting used to launching beta and actually get customers on the beta versions and getting the feedback and after that interact, interact, uh, iterating. So these founders, they were the most successful ones because they, they started with the customer requirements. They started from mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. going to people, asking the right questions because they had this experience, this product background. It's about asking the right questions and putting this question, the answers into the right perspective, getting the right data out of these questions. So they, they just build their product based on the actual customer demand. They did not start building until they got the right understanding what the demand is and 
what this what kind of people they're going to to interact with they what they where, where they're coming from what their background is like and as soon as they got there they got pretty much ready to implement go-to-market strategy right so they knew the product they knew mm -hmm, the customers mm -hmm. they knew where to find these customers they knew what what kind of like thoughts these customers had in their heads, what kind of perspective these customers had. And it was very easy for them to hire someone to do the marketing outreach because they could provide very precise guidelines in terms of demographics, uh, yeah. okay. uh, in yeah. terms of, you know, psychographics, in terms of everything. That's the people I want to target. That's their problem. That's where you find them. That that's the words that they're using while talking about this problem. Exactly the language. So it yeah. was it was very very simple, very easy for them, and also because they had already people lined up who they interacted with during the the product development stage, the beta stage. So these people became their you know the ambassadors, the product ambassadors. These yeah. people already invested themselves into building the product. These people were already, you know, big fans. They they just all these people either became the first customers, paying customers, or they again started referring this product to everyone else. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. that's that's what kick started the whole success journey. Yeah, and that's what my personal observation is. So if you go from the like lean product development if you go from actually talking to customers interacting with them that's the same framework that is basically outlined in uh arvid Carl's books like embedded entrepreneur yeah. right it's the yeah. same principle you go to people first you investigate first you talk to them first and after that you start building but not just building but you also build constantly interacting with people with these people you engage these people you make these people part of your building process and with that like that's the building public framework again jumping in right you engage these people you, be, you make these people a part of your building process and like that with that you a you build trust you build reputation and you build the community of raving fans who would go out there and always recommend your product to everyone they know is a relevant, you know, target audience. That's how it works. That's that's cool. Uh, it it um, resonates with me very well because I uh, recently put, or, or from the beginning, I, I put up a, a waiting list for my upcoming product to quite to market this marketing system for, for introverts. And suddenly I got 120 people on it and I thought, oh, wow, that's totally different from the previous things I did, which didn't work. And then when I put the product out on the dashboard of the product, I put a Savical calendar uh, to allow people to sign up for, for uh, meetings with me um, to uh, have sort of onboarding because I didn't have any onboarding wizard code yet in, in the product itself. And people really signed up and I thought, oh, my calendar is filling up with with meetings with people so and this was really amazing i met all kinds of uh, uh, different characters it was amazing to to talk to different people to to see how they see marketing and when they say i'm forced to do marketing i say hey enjoy marketing yeah i can't enjoy that so 
it's really amazing when you put up some opportunity and I'm so glad I left the Savical still in it in the product uh, because um, people are it's so easy for people to sign up for the next meeting yeah it's, it's a very very smart way of again a way of building this trust and communication personal communication with people because if you put if you move your interaction with customers especially on the early stage on this personal level it's um kind of investment in in this reputation and the trust to build at scale yeah yeah do you still have some time to talk about nigel um, i'm a big fan of introvert no, nigel or sorry, are you already tired sorry, Matt, yes it's already <laughs> one hour i've been i've been talking for one okay. hour i have another more meetings coming and i have to do my actually <laughs> work <laughs> totally understand that <laughs> it was so much fun talking to the to you today and so I, I learned so much it's so so amazing and it not only intellectually but also emotionally i learned so much today about what marketing can mean for an introvert and for for anyone today the this village and community thinking and and all this so thanks Simply thanks a lot. I'm Anna, so for, happy. For being I'm so here happy. Today. It was helpful. And yeah, hopefully your listeners will also learn something new. And I really hope people would enjoy doing marketing because it's actually fun and it allows us to 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 be better people as well. You know, we, we yeah, grow exactly. because we not don't only uh, tell our audience what they should do, but our audience tells us what we should do and how we should think about the world. Um, yeah, it makes us better people. It it's, it may it helps us grow as personalities if we are better in marketing. Thanks for listening to the Reluctant Marketer podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Bowden Labs. That spells B-O-H-L-E-N-L-A-B-S. Or you can send me an email to matthias at bodenlabs.com. If you want to support this podcast, please share it with a friend on your social media networks and leave a rating in your favorite podcast player app. This will help other reluctant marketers find this podcast as well. Thank you very much for listening today and see you in the next episode. Bye bye.